0: Welcome to Chat NDT with AST, a podcast from the American Society for Non Destructive Testing. I'm Debbie Siegler, the host of the podcast. Josh DeMonbrun is a commercial diving supervisor, subsea engineer, and AST NDT Level 3 in ET, MT, PT, RT, UT, and VT, and he has an industrial radiography radiation safety personnel certification in gamma and x-ray. Josh began his non-destructive testing career in the United States Air Force in 2001, after which he later commissioned into the United States Army. After separating from the military, he attended the Divers Institute of Technologies Civilian Commercial Divers Training course in 2009 and earned a Bachelor of Science degree in Ocean Engineering from the University of Rhode Island. For the past 13 years, Josh has focused his combined experience in engineering, diving, welding, and NDT to integrate advanced service inspection techniques for subsea and topside applications including automation and robotics. Josh is a chartered engineer with the Engineering Council, holds API, NACE, and CWI certifications, and worked and provided training worldwide for various government entities and oil and gas companies. He currently works and lives in Anchorage, Alaska, and serves as the technical authority at Mistross Group, Incorporated and is pursuing a Ph.D. in engineering and NDT from the University of Northampton. Can you tell us about your certification and training?
1: Uh, sure. So with uh, commercial diving, it's um, required that you become certified as a commercial diver. In order to do that, it's, uh, they're taught currently in the U.S. and overseas as trade schools or specialized trade schools. Um, I attended the Divers Institute of Technology up in Seattle, Washington. Um, of the schools that we have available to us here in the States, um, it turned out to be the best school for what I was looking for, because you not only get, um, certified in commercial diving with ADC or, um, ADCI now here in the States, uh, but they also allow you to finish all of the requirements for a DCBC, a diver certification board of Canada. Uh, which is an IMCA recognized International Marine Contractors Association recognized commercial diving certification, which allows you to work overseas uh, anywhere. Yeah, with the training, we started off with uh, the Divers Institute of Technology in Seattle. And then from there, you do a lot of uh, specialized training depending on which company you go to work for and what type of work that they're doing underwater. Um, as we discussed in some of the other presentations that we've done, there's lots of things that happen under the water that are kind of kicked over to commercial divers, whether that be uh, welding, cutting, salvage work, uh, construction, uh, inspection. There's a, a number of different specialties that you can get into once you're certified. The initial step is, is being certified as a commercial diver.
0: Had you been diving prior to this training?
1: Yeah, my father was, uh, was trained as a Navy diver um, years and years ago, and um, throughout his career in the Navy, uh, while I was, after I was born and we traveled around the world at his different duty stations, uh, was one of the, the, the hobbies that he got me into at a very young age. I think I first started diving when I was about nine years old. Um, back then, Patty in the, in the 90s had what was called a junior open water scuba certification, and so I was able to do that at 11 and become a junior open water diver. Uh, and then at 13 years old, I think uh, you're able to upgrade it into a full open water certification. At the time, we were living in Japan, uh, again, an island surrounded by water. Most Navy bases that we were stationed at were right on the ocean. So we spent a lot of time uh, diving from yeah, nine years old all the way to, to now at, at almost 39.
0: What is Patty?
1: PADI's Association of Diving Instructors. It's a uh, international organization that uh, certifies people for what we call recreational diving, uh, which is utilizing scuba, um, self contained underwater breathing apparatuses. What those are? Those are self contained systems where you take a bottle of air or breathing gas down with you, and uh, with the PADI s- system, uh, like a lot of them that are recreational, Nawi, um, those are SDI. Uh, those certifications are good for recreational diving and and they don't really allow for doing uh, decompression style dives um, which is where you would stay down in the in the water longer uh, and taking on additional nitrogen and then there's different gases that you would have to breathe in order to uh, overcome the nitrogen onboarding that you're taking or being able to decompress safely in a safe manner as you come back up uh, to the surface
0: can you tell our listeners about your military background
1: um, as far as the inspection side was concerned, um, I, was in, I was in college. I moved to the States to go to university uh, in 2001 when 9-11 happened. I was, at, I, was at the, I was at school. And from there, a lot of us got pulled out and uh, um, went to the military. I was doing uh, an ROTC-type thing with the Air Force and was supposed to go fly jets for them. Um, a lot of us had enlisted early, um, were pulled out of college to go support the, uh, the onboarding and war effort in the early 2000s. Um, from there, I had to select a, an enlisted job, which I hadn't thought of at the time, and uh, I got put into a career field with the Air Force called NDI, Non-Destructive Inspection. And I did that for, for uh, about two and a half years with them, and then uh, commissioned with the Army and spent the rest of my time working for the Army um, before getting out in uh, 2008.
0: And what did you do immediately? Like after you got out, what was your first job?
1: Well, when I first got to the military, I had cashed in my degree and kind of started, uh, well, let me back up a second before I had even gotten out of the military. I was, uh, a warrant officer with the national guard. And with that, you're not full-time gone or deployed all the time. I was doing a lot of temporary duty assignments and deployments, but in between each of those, you just kind of get kicked out uh, and released to go do whatever your civilian job was. And since I went from the university into the military, when I got out, I didn't really have a job. So I, I started working, um, with a, a local contractor who did electrical, uh, or he was an electrician electrical contractor and ended up taking a job doing industrial electrical work for, uh, some oil and gas companies out in the middle of Colorado, Wyoming, Utah. Um, so from there, at a young age, I kind of moved around through that industry and became a foreman very quickly because of military training and discipline. And talking with the clients uh, that we were working for out there, a lot of them seemed to be pretty dissatisfied with the service that was being provided, uh, but they really liked what my crew was doing. Uh, a bunch of us, I was kind of bringing guys in from the military to come come work with me, and uh, so we just I ended up starting my own company at 24 and offering electrical and uh, welding services for oil refineries uh, natural gas compression stations Uh, back then in the mid 2000s there was a really big boom for the ethanol oil plants that were uh, being you know popping up all over the place around the cornfields so um, i went from there starting that company and uh, we worked that for about a year and a half before i was bought out and realized that i hated being kind of landlocked in that area Um, you know montana Wyoming, Utah, Nebraska, um, Colorado. So I decided to move back to the coast. And uh, that's when I attended in 2009 the uh, Divers Institute of Technology out in Seattle and kind of married everything together. My love of diving for the past 30 years, uh, well, at that point, wasn't quite as long, uh, but my love of diving, uh, you know, being a certified welder, an engineer, an electrician, um, non destructive testing inspector. All of these things um, are being done in a subsea environment or underwater environments, and I had experience in all of them. So going to that school was great to to finish a commercial diving certification for surface supplied diving gear as opposed to the uh, self-contained scuba recreational stuff. This is the equipment that we use to actually conduct work underwater. So that school was great to, to be able to spend a year there, marry everything together, um, and and move on through my career from there.
0: And how long has NDT been used for underwater inspections?
1: Um, NDT has been used um, underwater in, for underwater inspections for for quite a while. Um, the I don't think it was necessarily termed uh, NDT at the time, but we were using techniques such as visual testing or visual inspection uh, of assets underwater as early as the as the uh, uh, mid 1800s, right after the camera was invented. Uh, it was about 20 years later, uh, in England, they had, uh, decided to waterproof a camera and take it under, um, in order to take photos of the pier pilings at a bridge in England. And, uh, so that was kind of like the first non-destructive investigation that had happened, uh, with utilizing technology underwater, as opposed to just the, the human eye visually looking at something, uh, NDT as we kind of know and see it today, um, we would say the first NDT inspections were, were being conducted in the Gulf of Mexico back in the uh, uh, early 1950s, doing mag particle uh, examination for welds and structures, looking for cracking uh, in, in welds and, and offshore um, platforms that had just been installed. I think the first one was in uh, the early 1940s, late, late 1930s, early 1940s. So from there, it's just kind of taken off um, throughout the industry and really grown over the past 70 years. As we've started to adapt more topside technology for use underwater, and nowadays uh, there's actual, you know, ad hoc, ads built equipment specific for underwater use and underwater inspections um, to be used in those environments.
0: And what type, What types of methods have been utilized subsea besides you mentioned um, visual?
1: Well, besides visual and, and magnetic particle, we do quite a bit of ultrasonic examination underwater. Um, uh, that that kind of spearheads off into a multiple different things i mean ultrasound we can use for thickness measurements of of steel topside we use it the same way underwater looking for corrosion uh, we can do angle beam techniques underwater with with shear wave or phased ray uh, to look for cracking and uh, discontinuities within welds we can use it for flooded member detection to see if something is is air filled or, or flooded with water um, but ultrasound can be used in a number of different ways today we've seen um Multi-beam sonars uh, technology has increased so rapidly lately that we can actually paint 3D models in real live time with ultrasound um, to inspect and detect things in zero visibility environments where you can't see through the water due to, uh, you know, silt or, or uh, um, multiple things in the way. Um, yeah, but beyond ultrasound, mag particle, uh, visual testing, we do quite a bit of uh, electromagnetic testing underwater utilizing ACFM, alternating current field measurement. Um, same thing. It's great. Uh, much like mag particle is used to detect surface breaking discontinuities uh, in in, in uh, ferromagnetic materials. ACFM is great because it doesn't necessarily need to be ferromagnetic in order to do the examination, as well as we don't need to remove the coating protective coatings off the surface of the steel structures, for example, in order to see through them to do the examination. So ACFM has really grown because it's not as damaging to the structures that you're inspecting as mag particle would end up being, because you first have to remove that protective coating and expose the bare metal in order for that uh, surface examination or technique to work. Um, Radiography has also been used underwater, uh, both with... um, radiographic isotopes in uh, waterproofed uh, camera systems. Uh, We've also adapted X-ray tubes for use underwater, um, both with uh, uh, phosphor image plates with computed radiography as well as digital uh, radiographic panels.
0: And what would you say, um, what kind of industries benefit the most from underwater NDT?
1: All industries really uh, that have assets in, on, or near water can benefit from underwater NDT and have benefited from it. most notably, though, what really drove the industry was the uh, oil and gas uh, industry, obviously, with uh, the Gulf of Mexico, uh, the North Sea. Now we're starting to see uh, offshore oil fields in multiple locations around the world. Uh, but beyond you know offshore oil and gas, um, you know, structures that need to be inspected could be anything from ships and barges uh, to do inspections on them to keep them from needing to go to dry dock so they can stay in service. Uh, the military takes advantage of this uh, in order to maintain their readiness. You know, it, it costs a lot of money and uh, uh, affects readiness when a battleship, for example, is required to go to dry dock. It's not immediately deployable if and when needed. It kind of locks down that asset uh, as well as the the cost of um, dry docking it and and being down or out of service. So there's a lot of um, military and uh, shipping or shipping industry that can take advantage of the benefits of underwater NDT. Um, and then there's infrastructure, you know, docks, dams, bridges, wharfs, marinas. There's uh, quite a bit now that we're doing with above ground storage tanks and uh, water towers that are inland. So underwater inspection and underwater NDT doesn't necessarily, um, isn't necessarily restricted to just in the ocean or offshore or subsea environments. This is anything underwater, you um, Inland as well.
0: And what are the services and applications of underwater NDT?
1: Well, the services and applications of doing NDT underwater um, is, is quite interesting because it's growing considerably in recognition and use before um, the last like 10 years, I would say, a majority of people just assumed that we couldn't inspect anything underwater. There's a lot of requirements, codes and regulations or, or guidelines out there for us to do inspections of let's say a bridge for example um, but we are usually only doing those inspections above the water line where you know an inspector can access it more often than not the commercial diver isn't necessarily the uh, trained and certified qualified inspector at the same time you know the commercial diving industry these guys need to be a jack of all trades Uh, which is still great, but if you need a specialized uh, advanced technique inspection done, uh, we're starting to see now how we can uh, either train the technician in commercial diving gear so they can go down and do the work um, or train, you know, experienced divers uh, that are specializing in an inspection industry as opposed to doing all the other different multitude of tasks that can be accomplished underwater and training them specifically to become a subject matter expert or, uh, you know, a qualified inspection technician to utilize that technology and and do a proper inspection in that environment.
0: Are robots being used for underwater NDT now or how are they being incorporated into the inspection process?
1: Yeah, robots or robotics are being incorporated in a couple of different ways. Uh, Number one, we've, started to automate or semi-automate a lot of the inspection technology itself. Uh, And then the other side of the robot would be the remotely operated vehicle which deploys that technology and either installs it at the location where the work needs to happen or we can install the technology itself onto the ROV and the ROV can then manipulate the sensor or um, probe or whatever we're using for the, the particular type of inspection Uh, in place of a human hand or a diver. We're starting to see that grow in use quite a bit here in the industry, Um, mostly driven by two factors. Number one is safety. Uh, The safety culture of a lot of companies has increased to the point to where they feel that there's no safe way to put a human in the water anymore. Uh, So you see that ROVs are starting to take some of the work away from what was normally a diver-deployed technique, um, even in shallower waters. Uh, but the big drive for utilizing ROVs over uh, commercial divers is going to be depth. Uh, with the technology that we have, we're pushing out into deeper and deeper water um, to um, to drill these, these oil wells and, and gas wells. And there's just a, a limit to uh, how deep a human person can go um, right now when we've had you know, experimental dives done down below fifteen hundred feet is just too hard on people. So usually, anything about a thousand feet is a max for uh, commercial diving, saturation diving. Um, anything beyond that is is used for ROVs or um, manned submersibles, or maybe even a one atmosphere suit. Um, we're starting to see that you know a lot of these wells are are going down between five and ten thousand feet of water depth. Uh, so well outside the range for, for diving, but uh, the underwater NDT applications still um, are applicable and, and remain the same, whether the inspection is being done by uh, a commercial diver in the water or being done by a remotely operated vehicle, um, the data and interpretation of the information that's being brought back during that inspection is still the, you know, the focus of what we want to be paying attention to.
0: How does someone get into performing underwater NDT now?
1: Well, there's a couple of different ways. I've seen um, certain companies that have inspectors that want to uh, perform underwater inspections and they'll actually send their employees to a commercial diving school. Uh, that's very, very rare. More often than not, it's uh, um, the the type of people um, that, that are interested in, in being a deep sea diver uh, will end up uh, Selecting a commercial diving training school to go to, and these range anywhere from three months to to 12 months, depending on what type of school you're going to and what type of uh, experience and certifications you're going to get out of the school. Um, Again, I went to the Divers Institute of Technology up in Seattle, Washington, uh, there in Fremont. And the big kicker for DIT for me was the fact that they had access and the equipment um, to allow us to go down and do much deeper dives than many of the other, um, commercial diving schools in the U S are, are able to, and with those deeper dives in the bottom time that we're able to acquire at those deeper depths, we're eligible to, to receive an international commercial diving certification that opens up that, that graduate to be able to work worldwide.
0: Um, what are some of the, where are some of the places that you've worked?
1: Oh, um, I've worked in, uh, underwater at least, the, the Gulf of Mexico quite a bit, um, both coasts, uh, East Coast and West Coast, um, did quite a bit of uh, construction stuff with the, you know, piers and wharfs. There's a lot of work there that needs to be done. Um, I've worked with NOAA um, on uh, scientific research diving and, and, and some aspects of them with uh, University of Rhode Island while I was over there. Um, up here in Alaska, where I'm currently at, both offshore and, and inland. Um, and where else have I been? Europe. Yeah, I think a majority of our majority of our work has been in the Gulf of Mexico and and the uh, um, the, the Cook Inlet and and bays around Alaska, Dutch Harbor, the North Slope, um, pretty much everywhere in Alaska.
0: We often talk to high school students, or or we know that there are high school students that where a college degree isn't necessarily the path that they want to pursue. Could they get into underwater NDT? And can you sort of outline what that path would be to get to the point where they could actually be performing inspections underwater?
1: Absolutely. Um, The tough thing with underwater inspection is we, you know, we're, we're looking for people who can be, Um, you know, the best at two different things or multiple things. You know, we want you to be a highly experienced um, and motivated diver, as well as a highly experienced and qualified inspector. And a lot of times trying to garner the OJT or the -the on-the-job experience or training uh, to become a subject matter expert in both of those things is is, is quite difficult. So the type of people, you know, if if underwater inspection is something that they're really interested in doing, then uh, there's definitely ways and avenues there to attain that. Uh, and I would say first and foremost would be to go to a commercial diving school and become certified as a commercial diver. Uh, but during that time, start reaching out to commercial diving companies that offer inspection that do NDT. Um, there's a number of, of now inspection companies that are also offering commercial diving, kind of going about it the, the opposite way uh, that it's traditionally been attained. Um, but then, yeah, reach out to those companies and strike up a conversation with uh, their, their hiring managers and, and, and let them know what your plans are. That, you know, you're going to go attain your commercial diving certificate uh, or certifications um, and maybe going directly to an inspection company isn't the best route. Uh, but finding a commercial diving company that also does inspections and working with them and trying to um, plan out or route your career path that direction. You know, it's the, it's the same for underwater welding. If you want to become an underwater welder, you want to go to a company that is providing underwater welding and then focus on that technique and that skill set to become, you know, a subject matter expert in that area. And it's the same for underwater inspection. Find a company that's offering both and uh, see if you can get employed with them and, and start to chip away at the hours of experience you're going to need to document for bo- doing both the inspection techniques, um, whether that's, you know, MT, UT, ET, whatever, uh, as well as getting the um, bottom time experience, bottom time being um, your head in the hat, in the equipment, and underwater uh, doing the work, because you really need to be good at both. Diving should be secondhand. It's just a vehicle to get the qualified and certified inspector to the location where the work needs to be performed by them.
0: Does Mistrust have its own uh, training facility where it's to do practices or is that just done on the job?
1: Uh, so we do it a couple of different ways. Uh, we don't train divers or, or mm-hmm. people to become dive certified. We still uh, have them go to the commercial diving schools that are already established for that. Uh, once they're certified as a commercial diver and have, have, most of the guys that I've hired on, we're not we're not taking tenders or guys directly out of school uh, very often. Um, we do when they're under the uh, auspice that they're going to be doing more NDT topside. And Mm -hmm. then the diving is kind of secondary because what I'm looking for is we're specializing in underwater inspection. There's plenty of diving companies out there who do a multitude of other things, but we're an inspection engineering company. And I want to be able to do that uh, with our guys topside, with our guys on rope access uh, that are up above the, 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 the water line or up above the floor and then as well with our commercial divers, under the water. So our guys are highly specialized at uh, non-destructive testing, uh, inspection, and engineering techniques. And with that, we do on-the-job training both on projects that we're on, as well as uh, we have a couple of different facilities both here in the US and in Canada where we have dive tanks set up inside our warehouses, which is a lot nicer, especially up here in Alaska. We're dealing with, I think right now, it's negative eight outside. (laughs) <laughs> so okay. we we utilize our tanks in a couple of different ways we can you know build and design the tools uh to put in the water in the tank to to uh you know R&D them uh, but we also do it to train our divers on utilizing that uh technology and to prove up that they can accurately inspect a known flawed sample and find everything in it and accurately measure and de- and, and uh, decipher it uh, but then we can also uh, take them from an in control inside controlled environment uh, outside and you know knock some holes in the ice and make them get down and learn how to do it when it's extremely cold. Because we want guys to be proficient in the exact same environment that they're going to be conducting you know this type of work in.
0: And what advancements do you see coming to underwater NDT or to coming to the underwater NDT industry?
1: Well, we're seeing advancements uh, all the time. Um, one of the things that I see coming in the future is with the, the uh, increase with the technology that we have, uh, I think you're going to start seeing a lot more of the inspection tools being adapted to and deployed on remotely operated vehicles as opposed to uh, commercial divers doing the work as much anymore. Like I said earlier, We've noticed a trend within the safety culture of a lot of companies that, um, you know, they're not familiar with commercial diving and all of the, um, you know, safeguards that we've put into place to conduct work underwater in a safe manner. I mean, we've been doing commercial diving. Commercial diving has been happening in the industry for, for you know, almost two hundred years. So we've we've mitigated a lot of the safety aspects. But to uh, a layman or, or, or people who are unfamiliar with commercial diving, their first thought, especially on the safety aspect, is, oh, it's a confined space. It's dangerous. If we can put a robot in there instead of a human, it's obviously safer. Um, so trying to bridge those conversations with clients and, in, in, you know, balancing out the safety aspect also with the, you know, quality of information or data that's being captured. Right now, there's just no... Um, substitute for the human hand. And unfortunately, a lot of the inspections that we can conduct underwater, if it's manually done by a diver uh, or manually installed and then semi-automated collection of data uh, with a diver there who's you know at the location, eyes on, seeing what's happening, uh, is just going to provide you much better data. Um, so with the advancements coming, uh, back to your question, I see advancements in making ROVs or the, the probability of detection for ROVs conducting these types of inspections, uh, should be increasing to where not only is it safer because it's not a human, but uh, you're getting closer to the quality of work that a human could conduct. Um, and we're also seeing a lot of uh, built to suit inspection tools coming about that instead of it being a topside application that we've waterproofed or modified and adapted it to be used underwater. Now we're seeing companies actually building stuff specific for uh, underwater inspection uh, techniques or, or applications. So we're starting to see a lot more of that coming about, um, a lot more with acoustic emission and semi-permanent transducers uh, or probes being installed at, at multiple locations, either on a pipeline or on a structure, and being able to remotely monitor uh, structural integrity as opposed to doing routine or periodic uh, hands-on inspections with a diver ROV. So I think we're going to start to see a lot more automated and passive inspection techniques and uh, tools being developed and applied uh, for this industry, as opposed to some of the more, um, you know, manual techniques that we've been utilizing the past uh, few decades.
0: Would you think that uh, human divers will be phased out ever?
1: I don't think human divers will be phased out ever. Um, Cause again, there's still a lot of topside, side or say topside, There's still a lot of inland, mm-hmm. um, uh, work that can be conducted. However, even with that, some of these above-ground storage tanks, or um, you know, water towers, the cool uh, fuel po- cooling pools, and nuclear power plants that we dive in quite a bit. A, a lot of these things are st- there. They're going to be smaller and smaller ROVs that have the ability to uh, incorporate, you know, smaller manipulating arms and whatnot. Uh, the issue that we have right now. Is a majority of these working class ROVs that are built uh, and capable of either manipulating uh, inspection tools or deploying an inspection apparatus are large, very large working class ROVs. Uh, you know, these are the from the size of a moped to the size of a SUV. These things are massive. Um, these smaller applications or smaller ROVs in order to get into uh, some of these smaller areas are used in shallower depths, use for inland uh, or even coastal applications. They're too small for a lot of the um, attachments that would need to go on it in order to do inspection work. But with technology increasing on a daily basis, those are starting to become more and more readily available in the industry. So eventually, with our safety culture, they're going to push a lot of uh, the, the man diving hours out. Uh, in lieu of ROVs instead. Uh, but I don't see that happening in the in the near future.
0: Where do you see the underwater NDT industry uh, growing and going?
1: Growing and going. Um, <laughs> so the underwater NDT industry, I see uh, kind of two things happening within it. Uh, there's the offshore industry, the deeper water applications, and then there's the Uh, coastal or inland applications, which are much shallower water. Um, So I see two different things happening with these two different sectors. The offshore industry, I see a a much larger growth of the uh, utilization of ROVs, the remotely operated vehicles, because we're pushing into deeper and deeper water where it's unsafe or unable for a human to get down to. Uh, The only other option is for us to remotely install these things um, or remotely install uh, or apply these inspection um, tools with a with with an ROV. As far as the inland and coastal diving side is concerned, I see a, a really big growth in the near years or the, the upcoming years um, due to our infrastructure problems. Um, I went over this in a uh, presentation two weeks ago at the ASNT annual conference, uh, and was telling everybody that with the 2021. ASCE's Report Card for America's Infrastructure, uh, they're currently advertising that there's over 617,000 bridges in the United States alone, half of which are over 50 years old. They're nearing the end of their life cycles, and there's over 50,000 of them which are considered structurally deficient. So to put this another way, every day in the US, there are 178 million trips taken across these structurally deficient bridges. So there's a lot of inspection um, a- applications uh, over the next few years that can be applied with, uh, you know, the Army Corps, uh, Army Corps of Engineers, with the uh, American Society of Civil Engineers, and some of their programs with the Federal Highway Administration and uh, NBIS National Bridge Inspection. Um, not. Not to even include, there's over 91,000 dams in the United States, and of those, there's about you know 2,500 that are considered deficient high hazard potential uh, water treatment plants and wastewater plants throughout the U.S. 81% of the 16,000 treatment plants we have are at design capacity, with another 15% that are over capacity. So infrastructure is a big one. I see that, uh, you know, our docks, dams, bridges, wharfs, piers, um, we're constantly expanding, constantly, um, you know, pushing out into uh, deeper water or into different environments. And there is a huge need for the asset integrity uh, of all of these to be maintained or to be monitored. And, uh, you know, commercial diving and ROV, underwater NDT applications are a Perfect fit for that.
0: One of uh, ASMT's mission is really to um, introduce NDT to a younger audience. And as I mentioned before, that audience that doesn't necessarily want to go to school. So it sounds like. Um, with the infrastructure bill, there will be a, a greater need for inspectors. Would you agree with that? And so that it's actually a growth industry for someone young looking to get into NDT.
1: Absolutely, uh, this is a great industry for, for younger generation to get into. Um, you know, as you mentioned, there's a there's a number of students who don't feel that traditional college uh, is for them. Uh, it's not the way that they would like to learn. Um, I can understand that completely the, uh, you know, most people fare much better with hands-on training and, and trade skilled industry like this, whether that's be NDT or welding or commercial diving, um, kind of incorporates a lot of things that I think scratches the itch that, that, uh, some of these more adventurous, um, people have, it allows for travel. Uh, it allows, you know, you can go all around the world seeing crazy things and, and, you know, locations where, very, very few people will ever get to go. Um, you get to uh, challenge your mind. Uh, the technology that's being incorporated into the uh, non-destructive testing uh, services and the methodologies that we are, are are pushing out is great. We need uh, younger people who are computer savvy, who know technology, who know um, software systems and design systems, and who can incorporate those into uh, the field where they need to be, whether that be on rope access, you know, at the top of a bridge or a, a wind turbine tower, or whether that be on commercial diving gear underneath the bridge, uh, or you know, deep underneath of an oil platform.
0: You paint a really good picture, I think, of of an exciting, adventurous career.
1: It has been. It's uh, it's well paid. Um, I mean, it's it's definitely hard work, but it's very, very rewarding work, and it's a. Uh, what i enjoy about it is, is it incorporates so many different things that i enjoy you know this isn't just um you know turning wrenches in the oil field necessarily uh you know we're we're incorporating advanced technologies and we're, we have a in complete r and d uh, laboratory and workshop here where you know we're making our own circuit boards and potting uh you know transducers and and you know pulsers to work in environments that they were never, ever meant to be deployed in. And then being able to, you know, suit up and, and go play in the water. It's, it's, it's a great
0: job. Thank you for listening to chat NDT with ASNT. For more information about our organization, please visit our website at asnt.org. You can also connect with us on social media at ASNT Info on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube. ChatNDT with ASNT is copyrighted by the American Society for Non-Destructive Testing, ASNT, creating a safer world.